My mama would say, you gotta fight for what is right. To her I would say, I wanna give back the world some light. It's an empty road I feel so alone I forgot what I'm fighting for When the weight of the world Keeps you up at night When you're running with no end in sight you would You could find with Christ You want to change the world But you don't know where you should start mm-hmm. But you can't give your all Unless you let God inside your heart Good evening, Patriots. And today is Saturday, February 24th in the year 2024. We have a very special guest on here tonight. It's Lieutenant Colonel Retired Pete Chambers, Special Forces, our singular hero that is literally leading the war against the illegals down on the on the border while the rest of our Congress spends money on Ukraine and dumps money into Israel and encourages the border to be opened, which is unbelievable. They're all sellouts. So this is why it's taking an extraordinary action in this day to do extraordinary things. We're just going to bring Pete right on. See what he is. Let me get him unmuted here so we can bring him on. I think he's there. Pete, how are you doing this evening? All right. Doing fine, sir. How are you? I'm good. You've got some big news for us tonight. 
We had a big day. Oh, big yeah. day in the Republic of Texas. Hey, yes, I, sir. I, I just want to know, for those of you that aren't on a rumble, Pete's got the Texas and the American flag flying. And I'm, I'm playing Space Cowboy tonight because I got some space background on me. That's all good. They don't worry about that. I'm, I'm here. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a moment of exigent circumstances, um, things that require um, uh, we the people to actually step up. And, it, and it's, this has been a, a beautiful thing to see because there's been so many people step up from our people on the ground doing what we've got to do to our auxiliary folks that are supporting us in all kinds of ways and means, uh, one of which came by today, and, and we'll talk about her a little bit. But uh, And then the then the underground piece, which I look at that more of an information operation, you know, where people uh, that, that give us information directly from the source, from the different points, because we can't be at all sites on the border at any given time. Um, but it's just citizen journalists that have helped us. So we, you know, this is a combined effort and I'm just happen to be the guy that, that gets to talk to everybody all the time about it. Well, you're doing a lot, Pete. You really are. I mean, just to, just to get the flavor of the show, I was out shooting at coyotes before the show, just so you know. So we're kind of like, and, and that's, that's the, <laughs> yeah. that was an intended pun. Um, that's the type of coyotes that nip at your cow's ankles, not the coyotes that are at the border, but. Anyway, you right. get my point. So it's kind of yeah, get you. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> That's good. All right, Pete. Well, let's talk about what you got going because this was a big day, big news, and and I'm excited to be able to share it here. So let's go. It is. It is a big day. You know, today is the uh, anniversary of the 1836 uh, letter that Travis wrote. William Barrett Travers out of South Carolina moved himself to the Republic of Texas before it was the Republic, but it was uh, they were fighting for their independence from uh, tyrannical forces from the South, and uh, the commandancy of the Alamo is where he stood uh, when he wrote this letter, or uh, where he where he was, and uh, he wrote it to Sam Houston, who was over towards the Houston area with the main force, and and a very small force contingent made up of volunteers from Tennessee and other states, and even far away as Ireland, uh, showed up, and stood on the ramparts. And the interesting thing about that is, is this is something for the times is that the majority of the people that fought inside the Alamo were actually Texians. They were they were Hispanics that that uh, wanted to also be separated from Santa Ana and the tyrannical government of the Mexican uh, at that time uh, imperial Mexico, uh, the Empire of Mexico, if you will. So on on February the twenty fourth, eighteen twenty six, in the uh, county of Bear, which we call it Bear, but it's spelled B E X A R, uh, he wrote to all the people of Texas and all Americans in the world, fellow citizens and compatriots, I am besieged on all sides by thousands or more under Mexicans under Santa Ana. I have sustained a continual bombardment. Now imagine you're, you're a guy that's, you know, in charge of these troops. And, and you know, real quick story, you know, the, the unit that I left out of, even though I've been in some, you know, many different units throughout my 39 years in the Guard Active and Reserve, it was the unit that actually first battle streamer was the Alamo. You know, the unit that I left out of the Texas National Guard was that unit that was under William Barrett Travis, wow. which was formed at the Washington on the Brazos. So there's a little history here. But he goes on to say that he's sustained a continual bombardment for 24 hours and has lost not lost a man. The enemy has demanded a surrender at discretion. Otherwise, the garrison are to be put to the sword. Understand that when, when, when Santa Ana sat out there with 5,000 troops surrounding these, you know, few hundred uh, troops inside to, to include women and children that were brought into the mission, which was the mission was a Catholic mission of the Alamo 
not fully completed at the time, um, but they 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 were surrounded and they they offered they didn't offer them a chance. They didn't say, well, if you you know if you surrender you know if you surrender. They played a song, Diguelo, and it's the song is means no quarter, which means you know when you hear the song on the trumpets and you can Google it and listen to it, it's a very eerie song. Um, but they played that on the trumpet, and it's almost like we understand what Reveille is and we understand what Taps is. But when you play this song in this particular arena of battle, you know that that means that your enemy is not going to give you quarter. And they came up and they played that song on the trumpet. And it was, uh, it's a very, like I said, it's a very eerie song if you pull it up, Diguello, D-E-G-U-L-E-L-L-O. And when they heard that, they knew there was going to be no, no quarter. So he goes on to say that otherwise the garrison are to be put to the sword if the fort is taken. And he has answered the demand with a cannon shot. Now, everybody knows about the come and take it thing. Well, that was a flag that was the Gonzalez flag. And uh, there was a, a, a prior battle action that took place there. And that flag flew. And that's the cannon with the star. And it says, come and take it. And that's that reflects the uh, 480 BC Battle of Thermopylae, or Thermopylae, as some people say, where um, um, Leonidas held off, you know, with his 300 and, a, and a, a, an adjunct force of about 7,000, held off hundreds of thousands of Persians in a small pass in the in the um, center part of Greece. So there's a lot of history here, and you have to understand history to understand current, you know, as history reflects itself, um, to understand how to. Uh, use those tactics, and those are tactics, to bring them into your area, into your battle space. We fight with shields side by side. 300 guys can take on a large force and hold them for several days. So he goes on to say he, that he, you know, he answers this call to surrender with a cannon shot. Now you can imagine Santa Ana is pretty angry. And he, and he, so they're, they're, they continue all night long, uh, wave upon wave of, of attacks, and, they, and they're able to hold out for, for three days, and, and they, they, uh, then he goes on to say um, that he answered the demand with a cannon shot and our flag still waves proudly from the walls. I shall never surrender or retreat. And I call on you and everything that in the name of liberty and patriotism and everything dear to the American character to come to our aid with all dispatch. The enemy is receiving reinforcements daily and will no doubt increase to three or four thousand in four or five days. If this call is neglected, I am determined and to sustain myself as long as possible and die like a soldier who never forgets what is due to his honor and that of his country. Victory or death, William Barrett Travis, Lieutenant Colonel Commanding. Now, he goes on to say, P.S., God is on our side. And then he explains how many beeves or you know heads of cattle that he got into the post as well and how long they could hold out. That was a logistics thing to let them know, hey, this is how long we can hold out without without any other logistic support. And they did not hold out, and they they all died to a man. Now they did allow a small contingent of women and children to leave, and uh, they they were able to tell the story from what happened inside the Alamo. So we know that that's where the historical part from the the uh, Texian side came from. Now understanding that and understanding that the plight that they were in. This is this is a very important piece of information to understand is that Texas has always in its history has always been a cornerstone of volunteerism, whether it was that or whether it was uh, Teddy Roosevelt, Theodore Roosevelt, who went on to become a president when he was forming the first U.S. cavalry unit that was formed in Texas down south here in a, in a hotel in San Antonio. It was formed um, sometime a little bit later. 
Uh, obviously, this was a Spanish-American war now we're talking about after the Maine was uh, was sunk in, in Cuba. And uh, the response was, well, volunteers. Okay, volunteers did that. These were not soldiers. These were cowboys from Oklahoma, from the Oklahoma Indian Territory, where I'm from. This was uh, cowboys from Texas, all, this, all the way as far as uh, to, uh, I think, New Mexico and Arizona. This was even some Yale people that came out from, they just wanted to get the experience and come out and, and just hitch you know, their, their uh, wagon to this outfit. And they, they came out and they trained as horse soldiers uh, to include some, some uh, buffalo soldiers as well. So you had uh, the black soldiers that came out, buffalo soldiers. And so this was a volunteer force that then answered the call that went to Tampa, Florida. They, did, they loaded up there and they did not take their horses and they went to San Juan Hill and they fought a battle there. And so that was that volunteer force. Uh, th then again, and in different times, Pancho Villa on the border when he was coming across and he raided Texas, you know, just just like what's happening right now. So that would be a cartel that was coming across, smuggling cattle, smuggling humans at that same at that time, uh, for whatever nefarious purposes. Um, once again, it was volunteers that stood up, and that and that commander at that post was a guy named Jack, Black Jack Pershing. And Black Jack Pershing was a captain at the time, and then went on to become a general in World War One, uh, somebody who they named a tank after. So there's a lot of history about Texas when it comes to volunteers, and there's a lot of history of, from other states, as you have the Tennessee Volunteers who came down. So it's not necessarily a Texas thing, but I promise you that even though Davy Crockett was not born in Texas, he's more Texan than a lot of people run around with these stickers on the back of their trucks going, "Come and take it," and they're not doing a dang thing down here on this border. So. You know, I look at, at what people do, and I'm not talk, saying that everybody has to man a post, but if everybody in this country just stood up and said, you know, we're not going to take this and we're going to be part of this, whether we're on the front line or we're going to support this or pray for this or intercess for this or whatever it is that you do, because we're at that point right now in history where we will reflect ourselves and we either die at the Alamo or we, or we go to San Jacinto, which was the battle that they wanted, defeated Santa Ana and became a republic. So there's the history behind us and the significance of this day. It's a huge day, Pete. It really is. And it's, yeah. it's, um, it's a couple of things that, as you were mentioning, you were talking about the Rough Riders, right? Under Teddy Roosevelt. Yes, sir. Okay, that's, that's mm -hmm. legendary. And, and that uh, also makes Teddy Roosevelt legendary in ways. One of the few presidents we've had that actually walked in the battle of war, which is huge. Mm -hmm. Um, and then didn't you tell me that you had one of your relatives? So I had a relative that was there at that battle, and yeah. I spent some time in Guantanamo, just south of there. I couldn't get north of the border or north of the, the fence to go see Guantan or the uh, San Juan Hill I wanted to. But, uh, yeah, we, we uh, you know, it, it's funny how things come around, you know. It is. Um, and you end up uh, with certain family lines, her heritages, and, and then here we are again. Uh, standing up now, and this is what your original question was. Sorry, it took me so long to get here, but I'm building some context. Is that uh, we are standing up again, the first Texas Volunteer Cavalry Regiment, uh, and we did that today administratively. Now, our first formation will not be until March, maybe April, sometime. We're looking at possibly April the eighth. Um, what we're going to see that's when the next. Uh, um, uh, eclipse comes across mm -hmm. Texas, which mm -hmm. there's a big X right over Texas for the last year's uh, eclipse and then this year's. And so there's some significance there. But 
we'll see. We may be busy that day, but uh, if we're already formed up on our mounts, we will be ready to go. Well, let's talk about that because I think the idea of Calvary, um, this is not, I mean, this is a real Calvary, Christopher, Calvary. This is not, we're not oh, talking. Oh, it absolutely is. Whether the horsepower comes from an engine on a two-wheeled bike or a F-250 or a four-legged uh, critter that, uh, you know, which we will base it around, uh, we, we're prepared for all contingencies. Um, there's a there's a motorcycle group in Texas that's made up mostly of law enforcement and former military. They're willing to step in and be the, the QRF, so to speak, the quick reaction force. Because if you need to get across the state, it's going to take you a while with horses. Yep. But our main force, our main line element, our main first troop, if you will, will be uh, a cavalry horse um, company. The first company will be the A troop. So you're really calling Texas to the mat in a real way and others that want to join in. You're, you're, this is basically a call to the, the right type of action to get on your horse and get on the border, essentially. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, uh, you know, it's been, a, we've been talking about it for a while and, uh, some of us, you know, when I, when I started out just as, you know, me and Joe and bandit, my, uh, my motto, uh, we were just down there just helping some local ranchers out, just looking at, uh, game trails that we're kind of what we call it. The coyotes run through their property and, uh, they're transporting people, fentanyl guns, money South, uh, whatever it is that they're doing, but we're creating denied space and that's a different type of operation. But in this case, um, most of what we're going to, you know, start off doing is is humanitarian in a sense, because there's nothing that's humanitarian about using people as pawns and finding their bodies floating down the rivers or bloated up in the middle of a field somewhere in the Big Bend, and saying that that's okay. There's nothing that's humanitarian about a chemical warfare in the form of fentanyl laced with trank that is the reverse of the opium wars of China. We've talked about this before. So yep. to me, you know, if if we can help law enforcement, and listen, we have discussions with law enforcement. Don't think that we're just going willy-nilly out here, just running around, uh, not not negotiating or not uh, liaising with our partners in the in the sense of municipalities. We've spoken to sheriffs who will deputize us in a moment's notice, and if we have to, we will do it on mass. But you cannot take off a plane without a runway. It takes a while to build a runway, and that's what we're doing because we're not going to just get uh, sideswiped on this. Well, I think this is a huge moment, I, and I think it's a message I want, and I'm going to be asking everybody listening to this to spread out here, because this is a significant pivot from the passive position and the defensive position we've been in, and you're now taking fight to the enemy, to the border, and you're literally following in the footsteps of what our founding fathers and our, and our founding leadership did in just securing the border, securing this nation. It's huge. Right. You, you couldn't have 1776 without all the previous years. And, and we're not talking about fighting our government. We're talking about standing up to the to the CCP should they come across the border. Or as we know, and we do know in this particular think tank of the Hezbollah actors that have been coming through through Venezuela. We can't just stand it up overnight and just say, well, let's go. Because if, you know, the other day when AT&T had a phone problem and everybody said, well, now what am I going to do? Well, we just looked at each other and said, well, we're going to go to our alternate comms. And we did. And then we went to our contingent. We didn't have to go to emergent, you know, hand and arm signals or smoke signals. But, uh, right. you know, we 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 know what to do when, when crisis and chaos arises because we've lived in this world for so long. And when we're talking about 16, uh, I think, uh, 16 million or so veterans that are out there, and when we start incorporating those people into the mix we can't outrun our headlights right now we can only take on what we can take on but the volunteers are willing to do it and more will come when the when the circumstances get more exigent and that's 
but we, like I said, we got to build that runway, and that's that's exactly what we're doing. So, Pete, just give us give us a rundown on what we're seeing in the border because we know it's not getting better. No, the border right now. Um, I just was at a uh, trafficking conference last night up in uh, Dallas Fort Worth area where General Flynn and and uh, Lara Logan and some whistleblowers with the uh, HHS and uh, Jason Jones were at this conference, and then the numbers are just overwhelming. 11.1 million people have come across that border since Biden's been in office. I don't care what numbers you're hearing right now. This is directly from Jason Jones, directly to us last night. 500,000 to a million children are missing right now. Okay, it's not 86,000. That was 2019 numbers. Right now, it is, it is, it's, it's overwhelming. And now we've only found a few, we ourselves, in this particular, you know, do tank. I'm going to call us a do tank because we do stuff. You know, we use, nice. uh, you know, people in think tanks, they write white papers, and we use white papers for a couple different things. One of them starting <laughs> fires, the other one I can't talk about on your show. So, but I can say this, that we're a do tank because we do stuff. Because the only way to get things done is to actually get out there and, and roll your sleeves up and do it. Can't bellyache, can't carry on. There's no more of that stuff. There's no more time for that. There's no more pointing fingers. And you know what? Uh, after this convoy, what it showed me when when they said, well, this Pete Chambers guy, he's going to the border with a sword standing on the front of a Peterbilt in his Ranger panties. Well, no, that's not what was happening. We're not going down there to round up migrants. We're going down there to secure this border from those those needles and the stack of needles that are coming through in the seams and the gaps. And we know how to do it really well. Yeah, you do. No, it's pretty amazing. Pete, this has also got the flavor of the horse soldiers. Um in first entry into Afghanistan. I mean, it's pretty huge. Yes, right? sir. Yeah. I wasn't one of those, uh, those guys, but, uh, I can tell you I've ridden, ridden hor horses in the Himalayas and, and used them for operations. And it's sometimes it's the only way you can get things done. And in certain parts of Texas, it's the only way you can get things done because otherwise you give off too much of a footprint when you fly in there or you, you show up in there in trucks or just the terrain is so, uh, inhospitable. Uh, we're talking about mesquite trees that are 15 feet apart that you've got to whittle your way through sometimes and and high plains desert and things that you just can't get in there in and out thinking you know well that's crazy why would you use horses when you've got vehicles well because th that's what we're going to do and the other thing is when we look at the price of fuel um, we've got to have that that ability to be able to do that as that changes and becomes more scarce we we don't know what to expect so we we have to have that that element that's there yeah, the, the other guys with QRF will show up on their on their victory bikes and all that, but uh, you know, uh, we've we've got to be ready for all contingencies. So let let's um, hit on this a little bit because um, the point of of the horse operations, I think there's a misnomer, and you and I would agree on this, but I think a lot of mm -hmm. people are think that there's an overmatch issue of you have no what's the chance of a horse operation mounted operation having any success against any of the deep, deep states methods and techniques and so forth. I mean, I, I've I spent a lot of time uh, post-Afghanistan in that area of low technology mm -hmm. defeats high tech. And we're really in that discussion here because we're going back to old school stuff and right. we're forgetting just how adaptive and how, in, how significant those older ways were even today and how vulnerable the technology. Right. Well, you know, it's, it's very well known in the community when you're talking about fifth generation warfare, what defeats fifth generation warfare is the previous generations of warfare. Mm -hmm. Okay. The lower tech. Right. And so when you, when you, when you operate in that realm, what you have is you have people that, uh, and the saying for us downrange in Afghanistan was we have the watches, but they have the time. Okay. They were lower tech. 
but they had the time. They choo they chose where they were going to have their battles. As a matter of fact, there's a saying in Pashtun that says Dagas da Maidan, which is a famous saying from the battle when the Pashtuns were fighting the Brits and they boost, booted them out. Prior to that, you know, Alexander the Great and just post that was the Russians when their bear came over the mountain. Well, they knew that if they picked the spot and they were mountain fighters and they fought with lower tech, they were able to defeat a much larger and much more sophisticated force, much like our founding fathers did against the Brits who were at the time the most lar the largest and most dangerous force in the world. And so we, 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 know, how, we know how warfare works and we, you know, we, we have to, we have to understand that, that in order to do it, you have to have all of the previous generation's ability for generation warfare uh, to, to bring to, to bear, because otherwise you're going to end up uh, playing their game. And look, I've said this before, I'll say it again, they're, when we stop playing their game, and we don't have to get to uh, the different phases of unconventional warfare, the last one being land warfare. We don't have to get there because if we do it before then and we and we don't play on their, their game field, on their playing field, we don't play this game that we're playing right now, which is the compliance and all these things, the, the things that are killing humankind, uh, that's how we win. But uh, until everybody gets on board, we've got to be able to stand in the gap and that may require to get to that eighth phase of unconventional or seventh and eighth phases. Um, I pray not. Um, I've seen it. Don't want it. Don't want to see that in this country. But if if the if the DOD is not going to be able to do it for us, and and the state of Texas is is limited resources really. I mean the whole scheme of things. You know, love my troops down there, and they're they're willing to do anything. But um, when I look at them in the face and they look at me and I'm talking to law enforcement in the state of Texas and they're saying, we're going to need you, you, the people, we're going to need you. Absolutely. They understand that. So uh, it's all hands on deck. Yeah, it is. Rudyard Kipling wrote the poem, The Young British Soldier, which depicts mm -hmm. the war in Afghanistan. And it's a good one to look at uh, a lot of layers. And it's the, the Pashtun fighters and also the ruthlessness of the Pashtun women in, uh, in that fight as they came across the border to um, and thought that they were going to be able to slay this primitive tribe. And they learned a pretty mm -hmm. hard lesson. This is, again, it, it, is, um, it is an intensity and a vigor. And it's a lot of, I think, what you're doing as well, if I'm not mistaken. And, and this is a presence, a force presence uh, on that border now to try to get, to, to, have, to put yourself out there and to let the other side know that you're no longer playing and that there's no longer, there's going to be no quarter from our side as well. Is that fair? Is extremely fair. Let's think about what the Japanese said about, you know, attacking the continental United States, what kept them from doing it. They knew that behind every bush, there'd be an American with a gun. Mm -hmm. um, the Chinese know this too. And, and I firmly believe that we haven't played, you know, uh, Cowboys and CCP yet, but uh, you know, that, that would scare the heck out of them because they know that they can't, they can't outmaneuver somebody on their own playing field. They just can't. And they can't get the, 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 uh, the hardware, the the you know the the amount of vehicles that they would need to get across this country without being completely surrounded at all times, uh, they don't understand that kind of warfare. They don't fight that kind of warfare, so they won't. They won't. They won't step onto our battlefield. But the ones that will are the cartels, who are a bunch of knuckleheads. But uh, they're sophisticated now in the fact that they've been trained, some of them by our own forces, uh, at least in the last 20 years, in the form of the Zetas, who are now rolled into a different organization. But uh, you know they're 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 much more well armed now, and those are the ones that I really worry about. Those are the alligators closest to our canoe right now. It's those those 
those different uh, units that are out there. You got a friend coming with you. There you go. Yeah, uh, a little mosquito. Yeah, that's a Texas mosquito. That's not a little mosquito. Yeah. That's about the size yeah. of your horse. Big one. Yeah. <laughs> you, might, you might have to get a rope on that one, I'll tell you right <laughs> now. <laughs> Dally off. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Pete. This is this is a pretty important part of I think that whole discussion, and and part of that is give it give a real assessment on what we're looking at now. Because you and I've talked about this, and I think people need to hear it. The, the raw truth is what yeah. twenty twenty four is, and what we're looking at twenty twenty five. Right, twenty twenty five. Right now, to me, and then I'm going to go with the most dangerous course of action right now. I'm just going to give that out here because everything else under that we can handle if we don't understand the most dangerous. The most dangerous of twenty twenty five is there is no election. And that uh, if there is an election, that there will be a forced civil war based upon some sort of disruption technique via the EMP or pseudo EMP or a uh, cyber attack. And that could be within the next nine months, um, really. I mean, that's that's kind of what we're looking at. Um, we have discussions in this room on, with some of the world's experts on election fraud and election um, uh, attacks, cyber attacks and things like that. So when I when I say that, you know, we we have de debates as well. Um, I'm a glasses half full guy and I'm always, you know, but uh, I'm always saying, well, you know, if we do this, then if then therefore, um, but that's almost like saying, well, I sure hope it doesn't happen. And hope is not a plan. So being that, you know, that said, um, if, if we have to then go into the, okay, scenario where there is no election, or there is an election, and let's say Trump wins it, and then we have this disruption technique now in the form of Antifa, BLM, and all other bad actors that are hiding in this country, which we'll call cells for that this moment. These cells that are out there running around, we know about these cells. We've seen them act already. We've seen it in East Palestine. We've seen it in, in North Carolina and trained derailments. Uh, the, one, the two that I know about, I, I'll only speak about what I know about. I can speculate on the others and say most likely those were probing techniques. Uh, we've had power grids go down in certain areas as those probing techniques, exactly what I would do if I was doing unconventional warfare behind the lines of my enemy, I would be testing it out to see, well, the next time we do this, what does that look like? And that's called a Carver matrix in our world. So the Carver matrix is how I pick what I'm going to attack. And each of those letters stand for something. And so, you know, essentially like criticality, how critical is this piece of information or this, this infrastructure? Uh, accessibility, how quickly can I get to it? Recuperability, if I take out the full tower, it's gonna take longer for them to put it back together. They're doing these things, you know, the vulnerability, the V. So they all stand for something. And when you look at the Carver matrix, it, it I, I see bits and pieces of that in all of these different attacks, the attack on our food, the definitely the attack on our, our, um, our medical infrastructure, um, our cyber attack that happened the other day with that phone attack, that was, a, that was, not, a, that was not a solar flare. Um, that was done on a medical infrastructure, which then crossed over into the AT&T side of the house, which then put phones on SOS for a period of time in this country. Well, that was an attack to see. I'm probing it. I'm probing your gate, if you will. I'm, I'm shooting some rounds at you, and I'm watching what you do. I'm seeing what that does to the country. And so that those probing techniques tell me that that, that will be done in grand, in mass, if we're looking at the most dangerous course of action later on. And so um, if we get to that point where we do see some sort of cyber attack and it's longer, then the question is, how long is it going to be for? How long is that going to be allowed? Yep. Because right now we don't control the dials. And that's that's up for debate and discussion. I, I 
you know, love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. So first of all, let me just for people know what Carver is. So Carver, as Pete said, is a is a acronym. It's C A R V E R, stands for criticality, accessibility, re- recuperability, vulnerability, effect, and recognizability. So when you work those together, and I've worked something similar, not specifically Carver. I have done Carver, but it's been a long time. Um, what we're just so people understand is that what we're talking about here is an ability to assess a threat and assess a vulnerability. And then and, and that gives you a pretty good matrix when you're done with that laydown so that you can start to see where the best entry points is, where the best lines of defenses are. And then it, with you, when you lose, use that in context of your enemy, you start to expose their vulnerabilities, which is a huge one. So, and, and that's so Carver, you're using Carver just, and I'll, I will follow up on your other statement in a moment, but you're using mm-hmm. Carver from a position of as an enemy's, We'll just say the enemy thinks it has dominance in the field right now. It's probing and mm-hmm. thinking. So you're using Carver not only from the position of being on the defense, but positioning yourself to use it for the offense to find their vulnerabilities and then exploit those. Is that fair? Right, because I'm going to think like them. I'm going to red sell this. We call this. We're red selling mm-hmm. that. You know, we're we're trying to think like them. Like how would they do it? Because you know, in all intents and purposes, I mean, from the from the lineage of the OSS, Office of Strategic Services, World War II, the Part of the, our expertise is in sabotage and subversion, and and so we want to uh, we want to think like that because that's the only way we can step in that seam and gap and stop that that attack. This is like the three four slot in a football game. I mean, you're the you're the guy that's the outside linebacker paying attention to what you know which way are they coming through, and so if you if you watch their eyes, you figure that out. Well, we're watching their eyes in this sense because we know the play. We we've, we've played on offense. Yeah, and I agree. And I think this is something important. I just want to follow up on when you were through the question back at me, because I think it's pretty important. As we start to work through this year, you and I have a common full agreement. It's what you called building the runway. And Mm -hmm. the the runway for you on the border is going to be built around this very significant force of horse soldiers and cavalry, Mm -hmm. which um, I do have to ask you, I was asked to ask you in chat today, I think you know who I'm talking about. You said to make mm-hmm. sure that you distinguish it. This is the cool guys and not the the old ones, right? Yeah, that's that's my brother. Yeah, <laughs> I know he had to throw that one in there, so it was good. Um, right. But this is, um, I think the the foundation that we're looking at, and you've heard our discussion. In fact, we have a a common friend there with you, and this is Wendy, um, mm-hmm. and we're grateful for her. We're positioning this to start setting up, and just and that's our one place of that is Flemingsburg. And it's just that, yes. that position to where we can start working and training and amplifying that spiritual army, which is so critical. Because I think everything you're going to do, and I, I'm, and I'm, you're very. You're, tonight we're talking about a very tangible, and very um, physical type element. But behind this, because I know you too well, you don't do anything outside of prayer and intercessory work. Everything you do is built around that. Is, is that a fair statement? Absolutely. This this completely this op- operation, if you want to call it that, is was based upon uh, a lot of experience, but a lot of um, prayer. Um, not just me. I mean, people from all over the country. You know, prayer warriors. Um, but also then taken off right after that convoy that we took. You know, we did the liaison work for the convoy that went to the border to make sure they stayed safe and everything went went well. But uh, then just to take some time off and just get up on a mountain, literally in West Texas, and spent three days of fasting and just listening and then writing a lot of notes and then taking those those notes and saying, okay, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? 
and then just handing it back to people and saying, please interpret this for me. So tell me what you see. But then when, when you get three or four people that come back with the same answer, then you're kind of like, okay, well, it's not just me. You know, I'm, I'm using their minds as analysts, if you will, to say, okay, analysts, here's the, here's the raw data, analyze this for me and let's see where we go. Because if I'm going to go the right direction, I want to make sure it's done the correct way. Yep. Um, and it's not just me. It's not just Pete Chambers saying, well, I want to put on a sword and, you know, ride a horse. Cause it's, it's the last thing I wanted to do was to, you know, continue to have to think this way, but it, it's important that, you know, you follow what the father says to do. And to me, um, we, we started this border thing as a, as a humanitarian thing. And it, we called it operation Nehemiah as part of it, and, you know, building a wall, but also in one hand, you've got a shovel, but the other hand, you've got a sword. Now, in this case, you know, the sword of the spirit, the word, uh, is very important, but, uh, also we are charged as men and as soldiers and former soldiers who took an oath, we are charged with the protection of those that are oppressed. Yes. Period. There's no, there's no, I don't care how old I am. I will always be charged with that. And I, I had a Vietnam vet call me who was a uh, Mac B SOG guy and said, he wants to come out and, and, you know, give us a hand. Well, you know what? I'll take you because you've got a lot of experience and I, and I will, I will take you all day long. And so this is, this is the kind of heart that is in these people, but it's all been based in prayer, supplication, fasting, uh, listening, um, not just going, because I've, I've done that. I've kicked the door into things in life and it didn't turn out so well. So I'm yeah. just not going there anymore. Uh, you know, it, 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 yeah, I happen to be the face of this thing. You know, the A team has a face and it's always, you know, the 18 alpha, the commander who has to go and talk to the command has to go and talk to the public affairs. People has to go and talk to the troops as well. Um, but really the ones in the trenches, we will never know. We will never see. And we'll sit around a fire, as we said before, and have a scotch and a cigar. And, and we'll just say, you know, well done, good and faithful servant. That's but it. that's what we want to hear in the eternity. No, that's exactly right. I think the backbone to a lot of this across America, and one of the reasons I'm God's just leading this over and over, is really push. And this goes back to that question a few minutes ago to really push that foundation that goes in the home and in the communities, which is built around that seven pillars of county by county, which is literally home churches, homeschooling, um, victory gardens, what we call Patriot gardens, uh, right work, which is get out of a corporate yoke, get on doing something on your own, using your gifts and talents, um, health and wellness, get off the health system, get into prayer, healing and other, and, and healing through the nature of the natural things God gives us. Um, the other is informed action, which has become two elements, biblical study and common law study, because I think that's mm -hmm. one of the critical elements. And then uh, in, in the idea of stewardship and conservation. When we get those rooted in everybody's lives right there, and with that, we're now amplifying that into the spaces of deliverance and the fivefold ministries, apostolic, prophetic, healing, uh, deliverance, and, and literally raising the dead, we start to build a very intense and focused army of people in, that are coming across under a single banner. And that's really, as God is leading me into this, and, and you're asking, I think that that's going to be the foundational piece that's going to make a huge, on across the nation, is going to give us that strength that's going to keep elements like yourself on the, on the point and, and doing great. So that's where, when we have this opportunity now that's come up in, in Kentucky, uh, it's interesting that two weeks prior to this, uh, Pastor Dave Bryan 
had a huge breakthrough because they've been they were trying to acquire a women's prison and four kids and they just signed the contract on that as well. So all of this right. is happening within the same orbit. You're you're doing this today. We did this just on ours was on Thursday, Dave's was two two weeks right. ago. This is God positioning his the, the real army. And it's it's powerful. You're absolutely right, brother. And in, in you know, and in, in talking about Pastor Dave, you know, we talk on the on the back channels, you know, just kind of what are you doing? What do you how can I pray? But also understanding that the, the the wraparound needs, we call that the wraparound, you know, let's say we go and, and rescue some kids. There has to be a wraparound. I can't turn around and, and, and in good faith, hand them back off to the system that got them in trouble in the first place. Right. You know, I can't do that. I cannot sleep at night. I, I still wake up at night thinking about those two little girls when I was on the border in uniform and they were wrapped around my legs, just crying, saying, thank you for saving me tonight. Yet I had to hand them to a, a border patrol agent who handed them to HHS and then go, well, I wonder if they made it to their parents yep. because they don't make it to their parents. Not, with, not with those numbers you're talking about. That's, inc that's no. incredible. We're talking about on our own border. You already said it. I just want to reemphasize these numbers. You said 500,000 to a million children are currently unaccounted for and missing in our country. Since the Biden administration has come into office, absolutely. These are the numbers that, and those, you know, if you think about that spread, that's quite an estimate spread. Um, but it's, it's because they don't know. Yeah. They, well, don't, I, they don't follow up. They're, you know, Tara, the, the lady that was there last night, the, the uh, whistleblower, she said, we were told, don't ask about it. We don't get sued by the people that, um, the, the sponsor families that may or may not be legal. Uh, we don't get sued by them. If we, we get sued if we don't move these kids through this process quicker and just get them out to these sponsors. So they don't really vet those, those sponsor families. That in itself is a problem. And then another speaker last night talked about the uh, the auction blocks for these kids in the United States, where people in the hundreds go to meet and and an auction for these kids. Now, if that doesn't just turn your stomach, I don't know what does. This is sickening, and and I've I've seen some inside footage of that exact incident. And here's what's crazy about those auction blocks: there are those. It's you can just tell by the people in their profile. There's some sickos that go to these things, but these are. These are also consumed with just regular people that are just like, I don't want to go through the regular process. I'm going to go buy my kid. And there's no concept of what the origin right. is. It's a, it's a sickening moral bankruptcy that we're dealing with here mm -hmm. at an unprecedented level. And those children are being moved all through this country or right. worse, underground and turned into the hand puppets for cartel sexual activity. I mean, we have a, we have a major issue here in our nation. And it's reflected at the pulpit. And I've been beating on these statistics, and I'm going to keep beating on them because in, until this is fixed, our nation doesn't get fixed. We have 60% of our pastors are dealing with sexual addiction or with some sort of porn addiction. That's unprecedented. You have 32 or 35% of those that are dealing with a current active porn addiction right now that they can't break. You've got 42 or 43% of our senior pastors have a biblical worldview. And only 12% of our youth pastors have a biblical worldview. This is insane. And so then when we, we look, we're looking to the place that we should have the moral grounding to say, let's bring our nation back, our pulpit's broken. We have no choice. We have no choice but now to rebuild that through the, the church of Acts and people's hearts, literally as Christ wants it, and then deploy that army into the world. And so that kind of goes back to your question, you know, my opinion on things. I think that, I think that as we go through this year, everything we do, is of extreme criticality 
And, in, mm-hmm. and as long as we are listening to Holy Spirit, we are going to be fine. But if we are going to start going and running and gunning on ourselves in whatever form that is, or thinking mm-hmm. we're going to run off the rails, we're going to be in deep trouble at the end of the year. That's what that's what they want. And then right. when I say the days, that's the that's the deep state. That's the the globalists. That's the the weffers, the who. Um, they want that. They want the bubba's out there to get angry, and they and they and they are angry. I mean, we're we're all angry, but we are not going to be uh, shooting from the hip on anything because we cannot, because you get drawn into their game once again. And and the globalists, they play polo. We play rodeo in Texas, and we're not gonna. We're just not gonna get on their playing field. Um, and that's what we're gonna do because we are the domino of the flyover states right now. If Texas falls, the the flyover states have no chance whatsoever. This is the strongest state at this in this juncture right now in both um, economics and military in the sense of the, the Texas military department with the state guard, uh, probably the 12th to 15th largest army in the world and air and air or air guard as well. Um, we pray that our governor, who is our chief intercessor, if you will, in the state level would um interpose correctly in the doctrine of greater magistrates in my book, but as Mark Trujillo talks about the lesser magistrates, that they 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 have to do that. And we're seeing him make some some changes, but still at this point, it's mostly optics and very little reality uh, that's that's making effect. So this is why the necessity for the things that we're doing. And it's not just me. There's there's multiple groups out there. I, I interface with many groups. So I'm going to share a story real quick on you, and then I've got a question I want you to really dig into. But for those of you who don't know, there's been two prophetic words that I know of, and probably three that I know of, that have been spoken over Pete, and he has been declared to be the spiritual governor of Texas. Now, the other day, and he shared this with us, so I'm going to share it, but I'm not going to give a lot of details just for sake of a lot of things. But Pete was at a very important high-level meeting with some very influential and very important people and they were, they asked him, one of the guys there that asked him, and one of the people there, just so you know, used to be one of Pete's soldiers. And so um, that, that man's kind of second, if you will, his, his vice guy, um, reached over and he said, did I see you praying on Alex Jones the other day? And Pete he says, yeah, he said, yeah, I did. And so I get this right? I get this right? Yes. And, and so he says, he goes, well, Pete, I guess you're the spiritual governor of Texas. Well, that's now four times spoken. I'm just saying yes, that. Right. And you really have stepped into that principality. I think it's very important to grasp that for people to understand that you didn't ask for it. You're not looking for it, but you're uh, walking in it because it's being recognized. That's the big thing. There's no greater thing to be given than a title by somebody unasked for, right? Yeah, that was a little uncomfortable, but in the sense it was, it was you know, even Phil Waldron was with me in that meeting. He kind of looked at me and said, now where have we heard that before there, Doc? And I was like, yeah, I know. Here we go. Yep. You know, going to get me, you know, get me out there and, and you know, in the uh, political realm, you know, uh, I don't believe that politics is godly. I think governance is is godly. And uh, you know, I've been asked to run for different things. And the only thing I would ever run for would be a sheriff. But um, I'm, I'm not a politician. I'm not polished. Um, I don't believe in that. Um, it's not it's not in my wheelhouse. There are people that need to do it that that that, you know, we need to stand in there. But. We need those on the ground uh, being the sergeants and not being the generals. Well, somebody you know? in chat here is voting Joe for lieutenant governor. Just so you know. You know, he would be a pretty, uh, pretty uh, 
bad a uh, lieutenant governor because the <laughs> lieutenant governor has the most power in the state of Texas. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be good. So, B, what I want you to yeah. dig into a little bit, and you hit on it, and it's yeah. um, it's the emotions in war and the necessity to stay very level, especially when right. things get tense. There's a tendency to want to lash out sometimes, and especially lash out at fellow team members, and that, that happens. You know that. Oh, yeah. And and so that that a discipline to stay level in that warrior discipline and the challenge in doing this and having to work with the mm-hmm. areas of gray because we can't you're not, this is not going this is a black and white fight in terms of good and evil but I know mm-hmm. too well that this mission is going to require us to step into those gray spaces to try to work with those people to bring them over to our side and that's at the heart mm-hmm. of your green beret. Yeah, there, there's several things there. Um, first of all, the the emotions or the uh, the the adrenaline reflex that happens during any kind of problem set. Um, I'll use a medical one first. You know, a, a code. When a code happens and somebody's dying, and everybody comes running in and wants to help, sometimes their pulse is is going faster than the person that's having VTAC. And so I have to say to them, and I've done this. I say, stop, go outside, take your pulse. And when it goes down to the normal level, then come back in, because I don't have time for the adding to the to the um, energy in the room in that sense, you know. And, and that's my job. I'm supposed to lead that chaotic event, and so I've done that many times in the emergency room. And then when you when you're a commander, your job is to uh, be responsible for everything that happens or fails to happen, and to take in all the different pieces of input, uh, be it intel be it scouts, be it uh, round snapping by your head to be able to make an assessment to say, okay, the enemy is there. This is my uh, situation and this is what I've got to do. And you've got to do it in a, in a quick observe, orient, decide and act kind of manner. Because if you lose in that time frame, um, it's all about seconds sometimes. And if you lose that momentum and you don't move when it's time to move or you move too early, um, people die. And so the maintaining that is hard to learn. It happens through stress inoculation. That's why we train that way. But it also happens through just iterations of doing it, but doing it correctly. That's the key. You know, if you, if you train incorrectly and you do it over and over again, and you believe that that's the standard, well, then your standard's pretty low if you didn't train with those types of inputs. And so that's the physical aspect to that. And then, you know, as we as we move on and we look at, uh, you know, the, the bigger picture of, of maintaining the, um, the moral character, the, the uh, you know, command structures and the atmospheres are driven by the command. And right now, if we look at the DOD from the, from the Pentagon side down, um, there's a lot of moral injuries taking place. As we know, we talked about the uh, Declaration of Military Accountability. Well, those things also then trickle down to um, during stressful times, what is somebody going to do when, you know, their character is flawed? Are they going to take care of themselves first? Are they going to put the mission first, the men before them and then themselves? Or are they going to go ahead and go with the personal concerns and personal comforts? Because Army value number seven is personal courage. That's physical and that's moral. You've already got a moral injury. We've demonstrated that. And then if we get in these exigent times, these these stressful times, and we can't control our tempers or we can't control and look, my temper, I can get pretty quick. I can turn into a, a Lieutenant Colonel Greenberry real quick when I see something about to happen. But one thing you will not find 
is you will not find emotions involved with that because you, we are not issued emotions. What we're issued is a, a rule book. And my new number one rule book is the word of God at this yeah. point, because I took off that other uniform and, you know, as the, as the left cited, or actually the alternative media has said, he's in the army of God. Well, who are these people? Let's Google this. I'm like, well, I learned about it in Sunday school. Um, but, uh, but honestly, that that book right there is your guiding force because you know them by their fruits. And then we look at the, the the FMs and the TMs, you know, all the field manuals and technical manuals that guide us in wartime. And then whether it's war or peace, you know, we do foreign internal defense. We do domestic internal defense now. So we are now looking at But if we allow things to overtake you mentally, and if, you're, if your injury is, is moral injury is there and your character is flawed, I, I, mean, I promise you this, I've seen it a thousand times. Those commanders downrange will fold. They will fold in an instant. And sometimes you can slap a lieutenant in the head and get him to do the right thing, but sometimes you can't. And so you, you, that's when in the absence of leadership, you take charge. So in this case, is going back to what we're talking about, in the absence of leadership on our border, you take charge. That's well said, really well said. Yeah, this is a challenge, I think, for a lot of people. One of the games that they're playing with this is the long fear game, which is the what I would say the the, the fear of, of slow percolation. We see right. this coming. There's um, the the Congress is doing everything it can to continue to roll this ball down the court because they're all sold out in any way, mm -hmm. shape, or form. We have a lot of politicians doing the same, and so there's as we see this, the longer that they keep playing their games, they're trying to pit one side against the other. We just see a border that just keeps drawing people in. And we know there's bad guys coming in. We know that there's Chinese coming in. We know that there's infiltration going on all over this nation. And so this tends to create a, a massive sense of panic. Oh, and a, a, it's a low-level panic that just continues to grow into a systemic and deep fear. Oh, yeah. And I and my opinion is that this is where they're trying to drive. This is how they're going to try to fuse the Civil War, which is to try to get people so agitated. And this is essentially if we – I just uh, interviewed – uh, Pete Santilli. And actually, because we had some technical problems, it's going to air Monday night. But what's interesting is his, his research and his observations of what they did to the Oregon State Police, what the FBI did to the Oregon State Police, leading up to the Lavoie massacre, where they shot him in cold blood. And what he said is they sleep deprived them for 36 hours. And they wound them up. And they, these guys were so wound up, they were ready to be attacked and assaulted. And, and that's all they saw. They just went crazy. Essentially, we're seeing the same sort of mental effect here. This is this is the psyop of drawing people into this long, steady fear of, of seeing nothing happen, and it's and it's ramping people up so that their their hope is that the first mm -hmm. response is going to be a trigger, and not right. in the sort of the spirit. And this is where this is, I think, the greatest mission we've ever had. As we see elements of like yourself taking on both the spiritual but the physical point on this building up that strong back end spiritually where people then are using the spirit first, literally walking in that space 90% of their life and only counting, only having to concern themselves with about 10% action. But that action becomes very critical and very local. It's the house and it's the community. Because if we can fortify that over this next year, and I know that we can, then people aren't going to be afraid. And it's, and it's not, it, it is literally getting rid of the fear because there's essentially three elements and, and people I think are, are at the core of this are doubt and it's, mm -hmm. it's going to be trauma of some fashion and, and then it's going to be fear. And when we have those three elements in place inside of us, each one of those opens an avenue to separate us from the clarity and thinking that comes in Holy Spirit when we're sitting there. 
your thoughts? Yeah, what, what is it that uh, takes a, a young private and, um, and, and encourages him in a moment where his friends are being blown to pieces around him on a battlefield and stands up and runs forward into the ambush and goes and pulls back guys and comes back and is awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor and then says, and this is what one of them said when he was interviewed by Lara Logan, and he said, she said, you were awarded the Medal of Honor, and you you consider yourself a mediocre soldier. And he said, you should see the ones that are really good, right? <laughs> what is it that oh, that's that, so good? That, that's so right. Good. That, yeah. I I can't remember his name. I just it played last night at the event. Um, but what is it that takes a soldier like that and and encourages him at that moment when it's when everything seems like it's just falling in around you? And to me. I've seen this. I've seen Jeff, you know, my guy that I wear on my wrist here, you know, my, my gunner who passed, but, you know, days before that, watching him fight in battles and quoting Philippians 4, 6, and 7, verse by verse while he's taking shots and moving from cover to cover. You know, what is it that 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 builds that that fearlessness? Like Joe, my dog, that when he's, you know, on the uh, on the attack mode and, and, it, and it, nothing stops him and, he, and I've seen him injured and, come off of something, but wagging his tail and just smiling at me like, did I do okay, boss? Mm-hmm. You know, no fear whatsoever. Well, and, and, and it, is, it is leadership. That's amazing to me. Well, I think this is, it gets to the leadership piece here, which is so important for what you're doing. Whether you intended, I know you didn't intend this, this is where you arrived. As you said, it started with a, a, a dog, a man, a dog, and his horse on the border. That's all it was. Yeah. But this has yeah. led to be, one of the most powerful movements we've seen in our history to where you're literally the voice and the, and the, the kingpin to organizing this, to linking these old groups together, to bring together now the, the cavalry and the, the, yeah. the stance there for protecting and closing down the border. This is huge. It's, that's, it's one the, extra thing though, Scott, this is, this is important because you, you said it and, and we want to make sure we get credit. The, the intercessors that are that are in that spiritual because this is ninety percent spiritual and ten percent world. This is right? good. Flesh. Yeah, it is. And it, and that's you said it, and it's just that's the most important piece in this. And I did. It, it took me getting up on top of that mountain and coming back down and going. Haggai talks about it, then Zechariah talks about it, and then what brings it all the way to the to the past Zerubbabel getting all the way to Christ, to where he is, on a cross and giving us all of this with his blood and he's covering us and then we can walk in boldness with that. What is it about that? It's that prayer. It's that supplication. It's that, that fasting. It's that trust. Mm-hmm. It's that faith, but, but God, but faith without works is dead. And that's where we're at right now. This is just the work parts of that. No, it's well said, man. That's absolutely well said. I'm a hundred percent with what you're saying. You know, it's, we have to we have to take bold actions right now. We have no time for people sidelining and trying to be, you know, armchair quarterbacks. We've got nothing nothing for that. And this is where I think we're really starting to see where the rubber hits the road and you see the real threshing. And, and, and so that kind of leads me into the DMA because the Declaration of Military Accountability, that 231, every mm-hmm. single one of those guys that I'm interviewing is has just has a cut of what we would expect a soldier to be, whether it's a, an airman, whether it's a, a sailor, whether it's a, a, a point of the spear infantryman, a Marine, whatever that is, a pilot, every one of those has that understanding that 
it, you have to throw it all down and sacrifice everything and be willing to lose everything. That's the thing. Whether they lose it or not is irrelevant. You literally have laid it down. There's no question you've laid it down. It's not like, well, I've said I'll lay it down and then you're mm-hmm. not. It's like I'm laying it all down. So, you know, we, right. we just interviewed, um, he was the first lieutenant, Skyler, uh, Skipper Skyler, Skyler Skipper. He's a Marine. He's a supply sergeant. The other day it was a cook. And it, and then you find somebody who's in the media broadcasting side. We keep going through these people and every time, everywhere you look, you're expecting to find, and, I, and I'm not, this is no dig towards anybody, but you, you're expecting to see that operator, that, that infantry, you know, lead the charge. And it's not because the leadership that's coming out of this era is the true, it's the true grit of what it takes. And it's, it's, it is a true grit because it, people that have endured this, there's a great piece that was talked about today. It's a British guy. And he was talking about how the people that did not take the step to sacrifice Mm -hmm. have no understanding of what it was that we went through and continue to go through to hold the line. So it's Mm -hmm. nice to, join and you you warned about this in your own in that own prayer thing be careful of those that are hiding they will come in and join you at the last minute i don't that wasn't your exact word but it was something like that right I think yeah i do a cowards. lot of thomas Paine. Yeah. you know i find myself going back to you know common sense and uh you know the ones that want to come along when it's summertime yeah uh you know it's it's uh you have you you can you can accept them in your ranks but they haven't proven themselves yet until they stand there in the snow, in a in a foxhole, half covered, you know, half deep in water, sleeping, you know, pulling a shift with you, that's the ones that I want with me, and I don't care. That's why I said that's why I use the analogy of the you know the kid that that you know was a private and he and he and he does something just extraordinary in in those circumstances. To me, I've seen a cook downrange. You speaking about cooks, uh, literally fighting side by side with green berets, walk away with a silver star, yeah, and a purple heart. Um, and, and he, he's accepted as a team member, just like anybody else at that point, you know, generator mechanics fighting downrange. It, it doesn't matter. It, it, and in, and in this fight, in this fight, that personal courage, which is in the form of, 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 um, moral courage, I think it's harder for some people. Cause I've seen Rangers that, that I thought were just some of the toughest people in the world crumble commanders crumble when it came to standing in the gap for their troops and not forcing this mandate down their throats and then and booting them and and uh, general officers giving, you know, Gomars, uh, you know, basically general officer letters of reprimand, um, you know, cowards, straight up cowards. That's what that whole DMA is about, is holding those people accountable. And, it's, and I think it's, I, and I'm emphasizing this because as you're moving into this, we share that we share that place on the, on that page of signatories and which is wonderful, but it's, it's the whole idea of the DMA is not, it is, yes, it's accountability in the military, but it's also a reminder and a symbol of what everybody that's going to be in this fight to win has to do. You have to be willing to step in. There is no time right now for playing around mm-hmm. none whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a, it's straight up go time and it, and it's here. You've got to be finding no matter what it takes in your day, no matter how little sleep you get, this is I. Someone talked to me the other day, and I said, "No, it was, it was Corey." Actually, I was laughing because I said, mm-hmm. "Dude, I feel like I'm back with Scott Miller and his sub JSOC unit." I mean, literally, because it's you're yeah. rolling, and you know this. You're rolling three hours a day. Sometimes, like the other day before the event, you you went what two days without sleep, right? Right. It's just it's what you do. 
that's what you have to do. Yeah, but you know, the the you know, the, we we say these words sometimes we don't understand them. But the joy of the Lord is my strength. Mm, good. You know, and and that's really where that strength comes from because I'm doing this right now for a noble mission. This is not Afghanistan. We're not working on some other country's border. This is our border. That number one is the joy of you know for me is that I know that this is a noble mission, um, and this isn't just about a border, and this just isn't, isn't about a flag. This is about a constitution that gave us the right and the ability to have these this sovereign state that we're in. But it's also about humanity, you know, and, and it's about, you know, the little kids that are being used, you know, as pawns coming across this border for somebody's, uh, you know, sexual deviance. Um, I'm sorry, but that's just, we're not going to accept that um, because we're Americans by God. We're Texans down here and we're going to stand up for what is right uh, under our constitutions, both state and the Republic of Texas and the federal government's constitution pre-1871. And we're not going to go with the corporation thing. We're not going with that model anymore. But we're, we're I've cleaved myself of all thoughts of Washington, D.C. right now because I don't have time for silliness and and and, and wasting time. Because as the ship is sinking, we're, we're, we're up in D.C., they're arranging the deck chairs. I spoke to this the other day, and it's important, and I, I'm, I'm with you on this. We are we are literally needing every patriot to dig into the news telling and the truth telling like never before. Unfortunately, what has happened, there's been a very effective psyop that has derailed a lot of the patriot movement. And they're getting yeah. wrapped around the things that no one really cares about, nor should we care about, whether it's arguing about flat earth, whether we're arguing about some lizard head species, whether we're going to be arguing about tunnel rescue that we can't prove of kids underground. All of these things, I mean, you and I both know that in this fight like now, the difference of, of a major win and one that we're going to have to really dig it out is if we can mobilize those focused stories and the research and get these people back to the game where they're literally, it is an echo of truth everywhere rather than these rabbit holes of conspiratorial issues. We're going to bring a whole mass of people along with it. But every time we start dropping these stories in the true tin hatter side, and it's taking these leaps of faith down into some place that you can't prove, you're turning away a large, a good chunk of that audience that is on the edge. Mm -hmm. They're just going like, I don't want to deal with this anymore. And we, yeah, we can't I, afford that. I'd like to share something on that because I think this would help people, these other people that are in this fight, whether they're whatever echelon they're at with their own lives and whether they're canning goods for their local community or, or group building a victory garden, is beware of the time stealers. Beware of the people that will walk. An intercessor told me about this not too long ago as I'm getting really busy and we're doing a lot of stuff. And as a commander, I always said, bottom line up front, give me the so what. Well, I can't do that sometimes with civilians who want to you know, help. But sometimes they present you with a problem set that is really a thousand or two thousand meter target so that, that they don't mean any ill will towards you. But those things take away from. So when you're stacking your priorities, when you're saying, OK, I need to take care of this 50 meter target right now. You got to focus there. Now you can be thinking about those other things, but you've got to focus on the things that you can handle. Those the chaos that you can control at this point. My shoots malfunctioned. What am I going to do? Well, I'm probably going to plane my body out and fly my body for a little bit before I find my, you know, my release for my reserve or uh, cut away before I do that. But you got to go through those emergency procedures. That's your controllable. The first thing that you got to do is stabilize your body or stabilize the plane. You don't let go of the yoke when you run out of fuel and try to figure out which switch I got to press. You know, you you fly the plane, you keep flying. 
And so focus on those 50 meter targets, those little wins and those little victories will add up to big victories because that's what gets you through the chaos. That is what will do it. I promise you, this is how we train. This is what we do. And when yep. you stack those priorities up correctly in those slots, you'll be fine. If you can prioritize it and if you can allocate it out to somebody else who is a much more of an expert at it than you are, do that. Um, because worrying about those little things that come at you, whether or not it was uh, you know, a chemtrail, well, I think it's a chemtrail. We're going to spend two hours talking about chemtrails when we could have spent two hours shoring up our battle position. You know, so we 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 understand that. Thank you for the information, and we'll just log that away. But uh, you know, it's it's those little things which do that is a psyop that is that creates more fear. You know, and that's I think that's I'm I'm hoping correct, and that's what you're alluding. Oh, to. Oh, absolutely, hundred percent. Because yeah. it it's where the psyop has been so effective is it becomes organic, because people start talking about all these things that really don't matter. Everybody likes the the wild and the crazy and the fantastical, and in the end of the day, it's beans and bullets. And, and it's there. Let me ask you this. Do you, do you like me get uh, probably 20 texts a day with zoom calls that are not zoom calls, but like podcasts that people want you to watch? Oh yeah. If <laughs> I did that, I would need 75 hours a day to watch those. I just don't have that. Yeah, so you, yeah, you, know, you look at it and you say, okay, this is interesting. This is something I'm working on. I can, I can do that. But it's because it's, it, they feel like they're doing something and that's okay. They feel like they're, they're letting, you know, giving it to these little group chats that we're in. Uh, of which I'm probably in about 17 or 18 of them right now, but it's okay because I'll find the ones that I need. But but spend your time not so much caught up in this little dude, but just getting away. So I'm gonna I'm gonna share something with you know we talked about Miss Wendy. You know she brought us by a, a Victory motorcycle for us to to rep, well, auction off, and I'm shifting a little bit here, but for the future no, to good. help to help us with our mission. Now she in her mind said. What can I do? And that's what she did. She said, I'm going to drive across this country and I'm going to deliver this to these boys. And it's amazing because it's a victory. You know, first of all, it's U.S. made, so you got to love that. But it's the name of it. It's just there's there's something that is that is in this that, that emboldened me because it's the little things that I see and go, victory. And that's why we call this tonight victory. Because yes. it's the little victories that get people out of Stockholm Syndrome. You know, our country's been... Yeah, that's it. Um, you know, cognitive dissonance, and it's been, you know, mass formation psychosis, but we are truly, as a nation, behind enemy lines in a, in a, in a prisoner of war camp. And so what do we do? Well, we're not going to hold on to the post when somebody comes to save us. We're going to go with the hostage rescue team. So we're going to get out of this prison. And so not everybody can be on the HRT, right? The hostage rescue team, but everybody can get out of Stockholm syndrome with the little victories. In this case, this victory, it's pretty cool. It's really good. And and that's, uh, I'm smiling because the I gave Scotty Miller his last brief at Sipsake before he left country. Right. And that was all about this information program that I had built, Influence. And anyway, that was those, the Scotty style, you know, like fix, yeah. fix, psyop sort of thing. It's like, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. sure, I'll do that. So anyway, we got through the whole brief. It was pretty, pretty crazy brief. Um, Lots of stupid problems that happened, and we got through it, and it turned out well. And he kind of leans back in his chair. He looks at me, and he goes, okay, I got some advice for you. And he saw right through my brief. I'm still laughing. I laugh at it every time this day. He goes, before you start your revolution, because he knew doggone well everything I wanted was to tear that government to shreds in Afghanistan because it was all ridiculous. He says, let me give you some advice on how I was successful with the Village Stability Program. He said, 
little victories, just like you said. And so this is something that I talk about a lot. And little victories can take many forms. And it's as we are listening to God and we're doing our things, like I think it's easy for people to look at you, and this is why I'm bringing this in, and say, either I want to be like Pete or I can't be like Pete. And everyone would like to be where the quarterback is. And you, this is just your calling. This is where life has brought you to where you are. And what I like to highlight many times is, I, well, we do highlight it regularly, is that your calling could be making cookies for your neighbor. Your calling could be going out and changing the tires for every single mom in, in your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Your calling could be going out and helping somebody weed their yard. What we're doing here, what people have to understand right now, and what you are doing on a on a bigger scale, but it's always the same. You're doing relationship building at the core of everything. Boom. There it is, right? It's well, it's 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 the difference between religion and 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 um and relationship with God. I mean, when you have a relationship, you know each other. Yep. Right. And if you know the master, the true master, God, Savior, you can operate in realms that 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 the enemy can't even touch. Correct. Right. I mean, the gifts of the spirit. I mean, the. I mean, you just can't even touch. And that's what gives you the the well, lack of fear, so to speak, or the ability to operate in fear really is what that is. There's still fear, but you operate in it because you know that if you believe it like a centurion, and that's one of the two times in the Bible that I read that it says that Jesus was amazed. Well, I'm going to be that centurion. Yep. I have faith. You can heal it from afar. Thank you, sir. I'm going to the mission. That is one of those great, great moments and stories of faith is a centurion, right? Yeah. And just like I, I lead soldiers. I, when I tell them to go, they go. And I tell them to come, they come. If you tell me to be, it will be healed. It will be done. That is so powerful in that passage. Mm-hmm. And it's literally where we have to be in that level of obedience. Let me ask you another question here, Pete. Is, and, and we're running a little bit here tonight, but I really want to get this out. This is a great story yeah. tonight. Um. One of the challenges we have, and it goes back to your point about podcasting, is when we start to deal with people with, you know, they're burdened a lot, they've got a lot of emotions, and it, and there really isn't, it's hard for people to understand that when we get into the war mindset, it's mm-hmm. like, I care about you, I love you, I pray with you, but I got to leave you on the side because you're holding the mission back and I got to keep moving forward. That's a hard one in a society where we are right now, in a culture that has not gone through hardship. Americans just haven't. And there's a lot of clinging on and a lot of people wanting to hang on to coattails. And right now, God is, in my opinion, and I see it in you, I see what's happening here in Bars Nation, I see it happening every other places, God is really running a threshing. And it's like, I need the people that are going to run with that razor-edged sword right now. And it's not going to make everybody happy. It's not going to get to be the vanilla message that brings everybody together. It's going to be these teams. And I just keep seeing it. It's like we're going to refine this down to these groups of people that can handle the hardness of the steel. And that means steel grit as we move forward and keep moving. And if you can't keep up, we're not condemning you. It's just like you might have to find another soft group to hang out with. S-O-F-T, not S-O-F, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it is exactly uh, the place that we're at right now um, where it happens to me every day. Um, and it, it, look, you know, I'm not, this is a flat command structure here, by the way, mm-hmm. you know, where I work. I mean, we yeah. all have our specialty and we, we run like a, a really more like a, a Delta Force cell than we do anything else, which is where 
if I'm the SME on something, I'm running this operation. You know, we're a cell and we, and we do that because this, this is, you know, this is, um, it's so unique, this, this, this situation that we're in, but then it's not, you know, because yeah. it's, it's pretty simple, uh, if you've done it quite a bit, but sometimes there are people that come in and just there's, they're stealing time, they're stealing whatever, or they have a different thought process. Well then go with it and, and, you know, do what you got to do. But for us, um, there's, there's nothing that's going to stop us at this point. I mean, th this is already in motion and it's not, you know, this is, if God has a plan, then it's already in motion. Yes. It's been in motion since Adam and Eve. And so there's nothing that can stop it. I'm not saying this to be cocky or say, you can't stop me. You can throw me in January 6th jail tomorrow and I'll be winning hearts and minds in there and converting <laughs> people to the Lord. You know, my, my, my captors that are beating me every day. I mean, right. that's what we will do because that will be then a little victory on that side of it. But for, for now, there's nothing that's going to stop this forward momentum. And, we, and it will be blessed regardless of the harder times we may go through. That's the other thing we have to understand. You know, we are, we're sitting in a base camp in a village stability operation with 12 Green Berets, and we, we just got called by a drone, you know, an ISR platform that says, hey, by the way, you've got 300, you know, enemy inbound. And we're smiling at each other and going, all right, we got some work to do. Yeah. It's going to suck. But we're going to embrace the suck. We're going to move forward, and then we're going to regroup, and then we're going to conduct a ammo, weapons, and equipment brief. And we're going to know that our guys are still alive, yep. whether they're in heaven or whether they're all still on here on earth, and that we still have a mission to go to, and we got to refit, and we got to go back out of the wire again tomorrow. And to me, that's amazing. Like, I love that kind of mission. No, I do too. This is good stuff, Pete. It really is. Just speak a little bit to there's there's plenty of anxiety on certain levels out here and people just are worried about what's coming and it just it's normal mm -hmm. worried about their families worried about the livelihood worried about the united states um to me it's easy it's like just lean into jesus fear not and just listen mm -hmm. any comments on it yeah i think that you know it, it is easy for us now but you know if i think about myself five years ago or 20 years ago or whatever you know it would not have been easy because I would have been filled with self and I would have been filled with doubt and I would have been filled with a lot of things that I don't, you know, as time goes on, you become wiser. You know, I spend time now in the book of Proverbs. This is where I go through, you know, daily um, because I'm seeking wisdom mm -hmm. because that is what I need. I need to have wisdom and, and I'm asking, I'm begging for wisdom and I'm, and I'm, I'm reading the words aloud and, I'm, and I record them for myself so that I can go through it during the day. I do just maybe a few stanzas a day, but um, second Proverbs right now, this morning, was the Jezebel spirit. Well, this is one of the main things that we're dealing with right now. And, and in the state of Texas, and I, I, I promise you this, that that Jezebel spirit is alive, and it is huge. It's a huge um, thing that has to be broken off. But I know that it can be broken off in the spiritual realm, but I also believe it can be broken off, but that requires us to do something. So yeah, it, it, there's a lot of work that has to be done because we have faith in these things. But, uh, but I believe that, uh, you know, I, I'm positive about it. And like I said, no matter what happens, um, we've, we've got to keep seeking that. And like, like I said, for me, it's wisdom and that's, that's where I'm, I'm focusing on. So the Bible, as you know, very well, Bards FM, FM is the field manual. Bible is the field manual. Mm -hmm. 
talk a little bit about that as we kind of wind down to prayer. The Bible is your field manual because it is a field. For me, when I read it, it's the field manual of war and how to win. Right. Oh, and it is. And then the stories all reflect a lot of war. I mean, I was reading about Jehu last night with, it's kind of funny because it was separate of my Proverbs, but Jehu who's, you know, goes and, and uh, destroys Jezebel. Um, so, you know, this is, this is a field manual, but it's also to be, you know, for, for those of us that use it like that, that is good, but it's also to take your testimony and then filter it through that Bible so that when you do tell your testimony to somebody and it's filtered through that, it becomes piercing because the word is piercing. So if I marry up my testimony with a with a scripture, I've had people, we were we were sitting together in the same room up there in the Redwood Forest when a guy came up from the back of the room and said, Doc, that was piercing. That was the words he used. It wasn't my words. And I said, well, that was the because I filtered it through the Bible, through the field manual. So yeah, I mean, this this all makes sense now. But then once again, go back 20 years and it would have made a lick of sense to me. That's good. This victory motorcycle. Yeah. You rode it today on down near the border, right? Wait, no, not the border. Well, you didn't make it that far. No, we we, we went <laughs> towards the border. Uh, we made it to the Pedernales River. Let me tell you something. That's a sweet riding bike. Um, you know, I've been riding a, a, a sidecar for a while with Joe, so I'm, I'm not used to, you know, only I only have to think about one one uh, center of gravity motion, you know, on, the, on certain turns. I've got the wheel on the other side to kind of counter it. But, uh, you know, this is a heavy bike. It's, a, it's an amazing bike. I used to drive a, a fat boy, so it reminds me of that. But uh, it's, it's American-made, uh, 2012 model. It's beautiful. Uh, we're going we're gonna to work on it a little bit, get a little flair, a local Texas uh, cavalry flair to it. And then we're going we're gonna, to, uh, I hate to even say that I'm going to not ride it in the future as my bike. But, uh, you know, I already have my, my Ural. But uh, let me tell you, this thing... It's going to be, a, it is a collector's item already, but it, it's going to be, it's going to signify this whole thing that we're, that we're going into, which is this first, you know, Texas volunteer cavalry, uh, because there, it's a victory. Just the fact that that is being formed up is a victory itself, you know, and so I'm marrying the two things together. And because of, you know, Wendy's uh, following what, you know, the Lord told her to do, um, it's going to ultimately result in operations for us. You know, it's, it's a donation. So to me, um, that's, that's taking something where a word is being given and then turning it into action. That action is going to be, it's going to bless somebody else. And then for us, it's going to be action where perhaps, you know, some way, somehow it's going to, uh, allow us to do some kind of operation. I know it will, uh, that's going to result in a victory for the state or this country. Are you going to auction it? Or are you going to raffle it? What are you going to do? We talked about it today. We're probably going to do a um, a raffle, um, but we have some ideas and we're working on it. So it, it's going to be, you know, probably married up with some bling. So you, if you put your name in, you know, somebody just went to a, a safari club thing and they said that the, the hat that they bought there at the safari club had a number that was inside the brim. And so that number corresponded to a, a raffle, you know, that you pick it. So you walk away, at least you got a hat. And then we just got to figure out, you know, how we're going to do that and, and what time and all that, but uh, we're going to, we're going to get this thing kind of, uh, it's already tuned up. It, it really ran well, but uh, we're going to just put a little flare on it and then uh, we'll, we'll turn it around. Hopefully by the time we stand up the actual first formation of the cavalry unit, we'll try to do it at the same time. But uh, you know, it'll be God's time once again. So however it happens, is going to happen. You're going to sign it. No, 
Oh, okay. come on, dude. Come on. Like, you're, you're, you are a commander of a Remnant A team. You're not going to put your signature on that tank? Well, I'll find a place to put it on there, but I wouldn't want my signature on somebody. <laughs> I wouldn't. I mean, now I do have Ted Nugent's signature on my refrigerator. Well, I'm okay. kind of proud about that. Right. All right. And but, so, uh, I'm, and this is the sort of stuff that's talking about in, in chat. They're just telling yeah. us that they wouldn't buy it unless you signed it. And then the other thing is that they, they want a picture of you. If you're if you're writing it, so I would agree with that. By the way, folks, uh, Nikki is putting up on our social media. Pete is on the bike today. We've got that up. We've got a picture of Joe next to the bike, and we have a picture of the official certificate today of the all volunteer Texas cavalry. Correct? Yeah, that one. So you, you can go to our social media and find it. And you can do a click up, click and expand and really see it up close. It's for real. It really was formed today officially, which is awesome. And then, Can I read it? Yeah, please do, man. I just gotta read the remarks because this was actually the same form that was used by uh, Theodore Roosevelt. I mean, this one is signed by him, but not. This is just taking you know from the original. But it's uh, you know the muster and roll for the first Texas Volunteer Cavalry Regiment and the first regiment of Texas uh, Volunteer Cavalry commanded by Lieutenant Colonel Pete Constantine Chambers called to service the Republic of Texas in Dripping Spring, Texas, 24th of February. We know the significance of that date. Uh, for the term of two years, unless sooner discharged. So whoever joins up, it's the same term that they did at uh, San Juan Hill. And then uh, it says, you know, the remarks, the 1st Texas Volunteer Cavalry Regiment formed this day in Dripping Springs, Texas, which is a commend, uh, commemorative day of signing of the Travis Letter on 24 February 1836 from the Commandancy of the Alamo, the purpose of which to keep Texas sovereign, protect everything dear to the Texian and American characters, and then signed by witnesses, et cetera. Uh, and will be notarized, and then will be put in the annals of the history of the Texas Republic. So that this is a this is a serious piece of paper. It it is signifies the administrative side of this thing. We had to form that first. That we'll build the guide on, and then we will actually uh, ride out onto a just down the road here. There's a big riding arena, and we will have everybody line up there. And they, and we don't care what state you're from. Look, that that force was made up of all kinds of states, uh, but it's 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 volunteer. And so it's it's up to them who wants to show up, and and uh, and it's up to me to command it. We know you will. That's what's awesome, Pete. Where can they find you? Where do you want them to follow you? Where do they get the updates? Well, I'll say what I said on Alex Jones set the other day. I said I don't want them to find me, but uh, you know, <laughs> uh, just kidding. Um, yeah, just drpetechambers.com. That really is where I'll continue. I've got to update this particular uh, event. I will update this on there uh, on the Lines of Effort page. So it's drpetechambers.com. Mm -hmm. And then you can go to Telegram from there. You can find it. Just click the little link and it'll get you there. Outstanding. Well, Pete, you want to lead the prayer tonight? I will. I would love to. Right, let's do it. So gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you right now humbled in your in your presence, in your power, uh, in your glory. Um, Lord, we are, we are your church. We are your ecclesia. We are your hands. We are your uh, sentinels. Uh, we are your scouts out in the field. Uh, even though you don't need us, um, you have an expectation of us that we, that we do stand in the gap for each other. Because, Lord, we are all one in this thing. We are all we were created in your image. And to me, Lord, you know, I understand the structure of deoxyribonucleic acid DNA which is, uh, is infinitely as small as it is uh, the universe is large. It is, it is a perfect structure, and there are those that, that are trying to destroy that structure and to turn it into something hybrid. And, Lord, we are not hybrid, and we don't, 
We don't, uh, we don't change because we don't like what you created us to be, Lord. We are in your image and we will stand by that, Lord. We will defend that and we will, we will protect those that have been oppressed by those that want to, uh, to destroy your image. So Lord, we ask and we, we pray that in Jesus' name, we bind the hands of Satan over anything that is demonic oppression, over anything that is not uh, of your will, specifically regarding to this, uh, this, this cavalry unit, uh, Lord, that, that we are continuing to do the right thing uh, as we listen to the, to the others uh, that have, with wisdom, that have weighed in and that have made decisions and at the higher levels that the, the, the ones that come in and volunteer, that we lead them uh, with your mantle and with your um, governance, Lord, with, with biblical governance and not with anything that is of us, but of, of you, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Father God, I just want to thank you for this time this evening and just bless all that Pete Chambers does, what he continues to do, and to lifting up not only the hearts of the nation, but to literally standing in the gap in a critical hour on the nation's border in the South. Father, we just ask for all that his team did with the blessings that they need and the resources needed to continue their mission. We wanted to have a special thanks for Miss Wendy for all the support she's given, not only to the convoy, not only to Remini team, but also to Bars Nation and to continue to bless her. We just continue to bless everything that this team is doing and declare over them that they have the authorities now to literally be, be those soldiers on the wall, the watchers on the wall in this critical hour and to be prepared to walk in with the sword of steel and the sword of spirit to defend this nation and know that behind them stands an, an army of Christian warriors, warriors of the heart of Christ to stand in prayer and to stand in, in, in unison, arm in arm as they go forward. And we ask for that blessing to hit all people that listen to this, stir their hearts and awaken them in this critical hour in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Great talk, Pete. Really happy for you, man. This is super stuff. Huge accomplishment. It is. And I, and I, I just, I want to highlight that because you've run a hard road to get here. And you just, mm -hmm. I think it, you just epitomize the never quit strategy and always overcome what you have done. So I was trained by the best. I know. And you're training them back now. That's the best thing you're giving back. I just hope that I hope so many more in the community really start to see what you're doing and stand and stand up now. Cause this is the time we don't have any time to play. And, uh, and however form they take, we're seeing a great community within the DMA and I'm impressed with that. And I think that uh, the unique thing about that is they reach, we reach so far into the community of the military that it'll start to wake up something really significant. So like you say, I'll, I'll ride with you on glass half empty. Right. Yeah. It's all there. Well, brother, thank you very much. I'm going to play. And what's that song again? I don't know how to say it. I have it. But what, what is it called? El uh, Degueo. 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 That's what I thought. We're going to play it after we end the this show. means tonight. no quarter. I mean, what the enemy gonna, will give you no quarter. We'll play it. Actually, we can do our outro. We'll play it on the outro. So there you go. Okay. All right. Thank you, man. God bless you. God bless. Well, Patriots, naturally, that was Lieutenant Colonel Pete Chambers, Special Forces retired. He is one of the greats of our time and truly something of great honor to be living in a time with heroes of his magnitude and, and his capability. And he's doing great work. And he's really literally single-handedly Bringing, the, bringing this forward. I saw in chat, and I'll have to bring this to Pete if he's not listening right now, but we definitely should talk to him about getting Joe's footprint 
dog print on that tank. We need Joe and we need Pete's signature on that. That would be awesome. That would be real victory right there for the nation because you can't have Pete without the dog. Joe, right? So we got Joe being lieutenant governor and print on the tank. That'd be good. We'll put Pete as governor, Joe as lieutenant governor, and I guarantee you there will be no more problems with child sex trafficking. It'll be done. Joe will single-handedly take care of every one of those boys right there. <laughs> All right, Patriots. Thank you for joining tonight. It's a wonderful time. Um, tomorrow morning, uh, we have our Coffee and Jesus, 7 a.m., and we'll, we've got some great prayers coming up, and we're going to do some heavy work in principalities tomorrow as well. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time in this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'm going to play this song that Pete talked about, the Give Them No Quarter, as we do the outro tonight. So God bless you, and I'll see you tomorrow morning and out for now. Thank you.